Praise the Lord. Well, I'd like for you to turn with me in the, into the Psalms. We're not going to get very deep into the Psalms, just chapter 2. Chris used this last week, and uh, I, I think I've used it recently as well. But I liked, I liked you know, when, when Chris was reading this, he was reading it from the Passion Translation. So if we can look at it uh, in the Passion, if you don't have the Passion, Irene can put it up on the screen. <laughs> Amen. Psalm 2, verse 1. Uh, I like the way the, the Passion Translation lays this out. It says, uh, you know, Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3. Act 1, the nations speak. Act 2, God speaks. And Act 3, the Son of God speaks. And so we're going to hear from the nations. We're going to hear from God Almighty. And we're going to hear from the Lord Jesus Christ. All in this, this narrative here that's talking about really what's going on in the world today. I mean, this is like reading today's headlines. So uh, uh, read along with us here, Acts chapter 1, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. How dare the nations plan a rebellion? What are the nations up to? They're planning a rebellion. How dare they? Their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the power brokers of the world rise up to hold their summit. Have you heard of the summits? Right. The summits of the powers and the power brokers. They, they rise up to hold their summit as the rulers scheme and confer together against Yahweh and his anointed king. Yahweh is the name of God. And his anointed king, the anointed there is Christ. That's Jesus. And here's what they say. This is, this is what the nations, these rulers, these conspiring, rebellious rulers are saying. Let's come together and break away from the Creator. Once and for all, let's cast off these controlling chains of God and His Christ. Now, does that sound familiar? I mean, if you have not heard these words, you have certainly felt these sentiments. Not only are they trying to get away from the Creator, they're trying to change the creation with their genetic manipulations. They're trying to change the very nature of how humans interact with each other, even to the point of redefining genders. It's pretty obvious that we're living in, a, in the culmination of this conspiracy against God and against His Christ. Now, verse 4, God speaks. God enthroned. Where is God? He's on, a th he's on the throne. God is still on the throne, people. God has not abdicated, and He has not been, uh, he has not been removed from power. God is still God, and He's still on the throne. He wrings His hand and says, what am I going to do? No, it says He merely laughs at them. The Sovereign One, 
mocks their madness. Have you, have you thought lately, you know, man, this world's gone mad. This world's crazy. Well, God's not perturbed by it. He's not upset by it. He's not worried about it. it, it he actually laughs about it and mocks them. I'm going to tell you that this word mock is a powerful word. It means to, it means to mouth off. That word mock literally means to mouth off and, and, and deride or ridicule. So when it says God mocks them, it means that he ridicules them. He literally, he, he mouths off and makes fun of them. Now I'm going to tell you that when God speaks, things happen. Every word that comes from the mouth of God is a powerful word, a power word. I don't want God mouthing off at me and laughing at me. That don't sound like good things are going to happen. Then with the fierceness of his fiery anger, he settles the issue and terrifies them to death with these words. I myself have poured out my king on Zion, my holy mountain. In other words, I have set my Jesus, my son, my king on the holy mountain. And that's the mountain that rules everything. That's another way of saying I have made my choice of who's going to be Lord of all. Then Act 3, the Son speaks. Verse 7, I will reveal, I, the Son, I will reveal the eternal purpose of God. For He has decreed over me, you are my favorite Son. You are my favored Son. He didn't do that just once, by the way. He did that at the baptism, and He did that at the transfiguration. He said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Beloved means favored. God has placed his power, his authority upon Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? As your father, I have crowned you as my king eternal. <laughs> I mean, you can't think of a greater honor for a father than for his son to be the forever king. He says, I have crowned you, my son, as the king forever. Today I became your father. Ask me to give you the nations, and I will do it. Now you think Jesus let that offer go unanswered? You think Jesus asked for the nations? What do you think he was doing when he laid down his own life and poured out his own blood? He purchased the nations. He became the owner of the earth and everything that's in it. Amen. Your domain will stretch to the ends of the earth. Well, the nations shall become your legacy. Your domain will stretch to the ends of the earth. Domain is, a, is an area over which someone rules. Your domain will stretch to the ends of the earth. You will rule the earth. And you will shepherd them with unlimited authority Crushing their rebellion as an iron rod smashes jars of clay. 
Man. It's pretty powerful stuff. He will shepherd us with, he will shepherd the world, all the nations of the world, with unlimited authority. Unlimited authority. That means he has it all. Amen? Unlimited authority. And, and then he goes on, and for some reason I don't have it in my notes. Verse 10, Be wise now, therefore, you kings, be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Verse 12, kiss the Son, S-O-N, not S-U-N. That would be a mistake. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry. Now, now we're not only having to do with Jehovah God, but now we've got, we've got, we, we've got to kiss, kiss the Son, the Lord Jesus, lest He be angry. And you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. What does the passion say? Fall face down before him and kiss the sun before his anger is roused against you. Remember that his wrath can be quickly kindled. People don't know that about Jesus. I bet most people have never even considered that in relation to Jesus, that his wrath can be quickly kindled. But many blessings are waiting for all who turn aside to hide themselves in him. Whew. That's good stuff. You know, we could, we could camp here and meditate on this all day. And I hope you do go back to it on, on regular. Matter of fact, if... if if you're listening to the prophets speak, if you're listening to preachers preach, if you, if, if you disobey your pastor and listen to the news, you might want to have this open before you. Anything they're doing, anything they're saying, anything they're planning. Brother Chris last week told us about this, this guy that, that works for this other guy that's, you know, a bad guy. I mean, told, told us things that he was saying. I don't remember their names. One of George Soros' buddies, you know, uh, Swab. 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 Yeah, whatever. Uh, one of his guys talking about how, basically how we're going to exalt ourselves above God. And we're going to make ourselves God, and we're going to decide who's, who's a human and who's not. See, they're trying to change the very nature of humanity. And, uh, and that's, what, that's what all this genome stuff is all about. You know, that, ooh, we've got the power now. We can change the color of your hair. We can change the color of your eyes. We can change your sex. We can add or take away from who you become. And if we, oops, mess up, we can just erase you. Oh, this person that's about to be born is not going to be perfect, and so uh, we're going to just do away with them because we don't want any imperfect people in the earth. Yeah. And they're never wrong, of course. How many mothers have been told in recent years that you need to abort your baby because it's, it's going to be a waterhead baby or it's going to be... It's going to have some kind of a deformity. And, and the mother wisely says, I'm not going to murder my own child. 
and I'm going to give it life, and the baby's born and it's perfect. I've heard that many, 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 many times. So they lie. It's part of their desire to limit the size of the population and to limit how many of each sex there are. They, they've got all their little agendas, but God is sitting in the heavens laughing at them. And he says, I didn't give you the power. For, I didn't give you that authority. I gave that authority to my son. And only Jesus can rule in those matters. God takes his rules very seriously. God sets the rules. He's the ruler. He decides who rules under his power and authority. He raises up whom he wills, and he brings down those that, uh, those that uh, oppose him. And history is filled with examples of that. Nebuchadnezzar is one of the, one of the great examples of how you know, he was bragging about his kingdom and his power and his authority and everything that he had done and built, and God made a madman out of him. He actually went out in the fields like a wild animal, grew out his, grew out his claws, and grew out his hair, and ate, ate like the rest of the beasts of the field. God made a cow out of him. Grass-eating, grass-munching cow. A wild beast. And then one day God says, well, looks to me like you've learned your lesson, and poof, he was in his right mind and restored to his throne. <laughs> God took him out and brought him back. Now who's God? Well, I think you are. Amen? But God takes his, his, his position as ruler, and God looks upon Jesus very seriously. And, 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 uh, and it's, uh, well, look, turn to John 5. I want to show you how seriously God looks upon Jesus when it comes to the rules and authority. John 5.22, this is uh, in the King James Version. John 5.22, For the Father judges no man. Let that settle in for a minute. The Father judges no man. But he has committed all judgment unto the Son. You see, it doesn't mean man's not going to receive judgment. It's just the Father has, has delegated Jesus for that purpose. Jesus, you're, I'm making you the judge. It doesn't mean the Father is disinterested. It doesn't mean the Father is not aware. It doesn't mean the Father has no role. It just means that God has honored His Son by making His Son the judge of all the living and the dead. Look at verse 23. Why did God do that? That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son... Honoreth not the Father which has sent him. So anyone in this world who dishonors Jesus is dishonoring Father God. Or red and white. In your... Did you hear that? Anyone that does not honor the Son is dishonoring the Father because it was the Father that sent the Son. But God gave powers of judgment to Jesus, all of it. 
He holds it all. He holds the reins. The, you know, having the power of judgment means I have the power to determine the outcome. I have the power, Jesus is saying, I have the power to decide how everything's going to end and where you're going to be. I have power over your life. That's what he's saying. Um, in John, uh, I think it's John 12, he says, he says I, I have the power of judgment even to the point of, of uh, uh, raising the dead. I can See, if you die and you think you died without being judged, I have the power to raise you up and bring you to the, before the judgment. These people who've died and they're long gone, you know, they think they might have escaped judgment. Oh, no, no. Their day's coming when they're going to be raised from the dead and they're going to be st standing before the great white throne and they're going to be judged. John 12, 48 says, He that rejects me and receives not my words has one that judges him. Jesus says, he that rejects me and doesn't receive my words has one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Now, get this. Jesus is saying, the Father's given all rights of judgment over to me, but I'm not going to judge you. I'm just going to let the words that I have said judge you. You know, those words that you've rejected, those words that you have dis, just dis disregarded, those words that you've spoken against, I'm just going to let those words judge you. Now, there are a lot of folks, you know, that, that they have this men-pleasing spirit. They always want to please man. They always want to get along with people and all that. And they do everything in the world they can to bow down and scrape and, 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 uh, and please other people. Well, forget those people. There's only one person I need to be concerned about pleasing, and that's the judge. That's the judge. And he's given me a clue. If, if, I, want to, if I want to pass his judgment, all I have to do is abide by his word. Keep his rules. His word is his rules. His, we know that his word is his will. His word is his way. His word is life. They're words of life. They're words of, of, of healing. They're, they're, they're wonderful words. They're great words, wonderful words of God. But he said, if we reject those, those very words we reject are going to judge us. Amen. So you're not going to be judged by the words you keep. You're going to be by the, judged by the words you break. <laughs> so my chief concern should be what does Jesus say? That, that's why we emphasize the red letters in the Bible so much. is because it's the word of the Lord. And all other scripture supports the word of the Lord. Amen. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable to us, right? But Jesus said, if you love me, do what I say. Keep my words. Abide in my words. If you abide in my word, you'll abide in me. The only way, the only way to get along with the judge of all the earth, the Lord Jesus himself, is to keep his word. Amen. Honor his word. Well, turn to Galatians chapter 6 and uh, verse 7.
Brother Jimmy uh, used this verse Wednesday night, and it just jumped out at me. He was reading from the Amplified, so let's go to the Amplified. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. This, by the way, was the first scripture I ever memorized as a boy. <laughs> I was tempted to memorize Jesus wept first, <laughs> but all my friends had that one. You know, and the teacher would say, who's got a scripture memorized? And they'd raise their hand, Jesus wept. I'd go, oh, man, wish I had that one. So since it was taken, I had to find me another scripture. Somebody else had John 3.16, so uh, my cousin Lola, she took that one. So I thought, I'll get, I'm, I'm going to find a scripture that nobody else is going to jump in ahead of me and get. And so I found Galatians 6.7. Now, the reason I knew about this was my mother preached this one to me all the time. <laughs> but since she wasn't in my class, this one wasn't taken. Galatians 6, 7, from the Amplified. Do not be deceived and deluded and misled. God will not allow himself to be sneered at. In parentheses, scorned, disdained, or mocked by mere pretensions or professions. Or, now, a pretension and profession, that's hypocrisy. God will not allow himself to be ridiculed and mocked by your hypocrisy. Or, by his precepts being set aside. Emphasis on that right now. By his precepts being set aside. I'm sitting back there in the sound booth Wednesday night running these scriptures for Jimmy and, and I saw that. God will not allow himself to be mocked by his precepts being set aside. See, that's what those guys in Psalm 2 are trying to do. They're trying to set aside God's precepts. You know what a precept is? His laws, his ruling laws. His ruling laws. His ruling laws. Man's always been bucking up against the envelope, trying to break God's laws and get away with it. And they never, they never succeed at getting away with God's laws. It always catches them. I mean, you can design wings and wax them real good and go up to the top of the hen house and jump off, and the law of gravity is going to get you. I know that for a fact. Laws of gravity, laws, God's laws of gravity, God's laws of, of creation, God's laws of nature. You see, when they're messing with genetics, when they're messing with uh, someone's sexual design, they're coming against God's precepts, God's laws of nature. Like begets like, you know. I mean, I, I would think even, even when I'm trying to make some kind of a hybrid vegetable, I need, to be, I need to be careful because, you know, God designed, <laughs> He designed that seed. And if I'm, trying to, if I'm trying to change it into something else, hmm, well, a slippery slope that is. 
Now, some of you farmers may be taking objection to that. But when, when, you're trying, when you're trying to improve on creation, you're, 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 you're bumping up against natural law. Don't change it. Amen. Don't change natural. Don't try to change it. Because he inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. For whatever a man sows, that and that only is what he will reap. For he who sows to his own flesh, his lower nature or sensuality, will from the flesh reap decay and ruin and destruction. But he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap life, eternal life. So what he's saying is if, if, we, if we sow towards our rebellious nature, our lower nature, lower nature means rebellious, and sensuality. What's behind all this stuff is man's desire to lie with man and woman to lie with woman and, and, and to feed their sensual lusts. Child trafficking. What's, what is child trafficking all about? It's supposed grown-ups, adults, wanting to have sexual relations with children. And it's a big business in the world today. Yeah. They just caught two employees of Disney involved in child trafficking. Four. Four employees of Disney. By the way, Disney... Put a big X on that. Because they have come out in defiance of God's laws. They're not just defying the governor of the state. They're defying the will of the people of the state. And they're defying the will of God. And they are openly flaunting their sexual perversions. And calling on all the citizens to join them. In their gay parade. Disney's not going to get another dime of my money. One of their top executives said this week. That we have been, uh, we have been introducing the queer factor in Disney for years. And nobody stopped us. So we just continued and kept on. And nobody said anything, and nobody stopped us. So we just kept on until we have queerized the whole Disney production. She said it with pride, and she said it with uh, dig, uh, defiance. Well, she's about to have a major slapdown from the Lord, the judge of all. Amen. Uh, I pray for her soul. But I agree with her slap down. Because they, they are attempting to pull a switcheroo on God while God is looking. 
And that is, that is, that is mockery to the nth degree. Let us not lose heart, he says, and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. For in due time, everybody say due time, and at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. So then, as occasion and opportunity open up to us, let us do good morally, in parentheses there, morally to all people, not only being useful or profitable to them, but also doing what is for their spiritual good and advantage. You'll be called a do-gooder. You'll be called, you know, given some phobia title, you know, homophobic and all that kind of stuff, but you just keep doing good. Be mindful to be a blessing, especially to those of the household of faith, those who belong to God's family with you, the believers. Now, I want to read, I want to read this same passage uh, from uh, the Passion Translation. Is that all right with you? How many of you enjoy the Passion Translation? By the way, it was Chris that introduced me to the Passion Translation. We were in Haiti, and he had all these individual, individual books back when they were just first, you know, putting this stuff out. He said, I want to read this. And I thought, what kind of weird translation you got there? But it grows on you. Uh, Galatians 6, 7 in the Passion Translation. Make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. Now, I looked that word up in Strong's. It's number 3456. 3456. And the Greek word is mukterizo. Mukterizo. And it means to make mouth at, to make mouths at, or ridicule. It means to mouth off at. In a, in a ridiculing fashion. This says God will never allow you to do that. You're never going to be able to talk back to God. That's what it is. It's talking back to God and telling God he's old-fashioned. God, your laws no longer apply. Your laws are outdated, God. Your precepts are no longer useful. We no longer want to do things your way, God. Can you imagine, you know, if you was a little 12-year-old kid and you went up to your daddy and you said, Daddy, I want to stay up late tonight. As a matter of fact, I want to stay out with my friends uh, tonight. I want to come in whenever I get ready. And your daddy says, not in my house. If you're going to live in my house, you're going to live by my rules. And you come back at your daddy, you say, Daddy, your rules stink. Daddy, I don't care about your rules. Your rules are old-fashioned. People don't, they don't live that way today, Daddy. None of my friends have those rules. Now, can you imagine finishing that statement before your daddy does something to you? He's not going to, you see, your daddy is not going to allow you to make a mockery of him. If he does, he ain't much of a daddy. I talked back to my daddy once. And when I came to, I said, Daddy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
And I'm not kidding you. My dad, my dad literally knocked me out cold. I sassed my mother one time. I thought, well, I can't talk back to daddy, but I can sure talk back to mama. When I got up off the floor, I turned around and there was my daddy with his fist still out. He said, you don't talk to my wife that way. And my daddy was the kindest, gentlest, sweetest, most tender man I ever met. I never heard him raise his voice. He never shouted. He never cursed. But he did punch my lights out. One day, my older brother Jerry was trying to kill me, literally. He had me by the ankles, and he was swinging me around the room. And he, he fully intended to let go of me and let me hit the concrete block wall. But suddenly, this fist came out of nowhere and knocked my brother out cold. We didn't even know Daddy was home. God is not going to allow you to sass him. He's not going to allow you to make a mockery of his rules. And you are in his house, and you will go by his rules, or you're going to get smacked. That's what Psalm Two is all about. God will just laugh at you and whack you on the head. And that's what's about to happen to this world. It's happening to this world right now. They are, they are too vocal with their rebellion. They're mouthing at God. And they're messing with his rules. The rules of nature, rules of physics, all the rules. So he says... The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. <laughs> what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. You're not going to plant one seed and, and harvest something else. You can say grace, grace all day long. It ain't going to change that. The laws of grace have nothing to do with this. Except that if, you've, if you're guilty of this, you can repent and ask God to forgive you, and the grace of God will, will forgive it. But if you continue in it, saying grace, 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 you're going to get knocked in the grass. Amen. It's, it's, even that doctrine mocks God. The doctrine that I can sin and get away with it is a mockery. The doctrine that I can go to heaven and, and live on earth any way I want to. As long as I shake the preacher's hand. Or as long as I get baptized in the church baptistry. Or as long as I, you know, pay my tithes. Or as long as, as, uh, as I shout grace, grace. Paul said, the grace of God teaches you how to live. And what does that mean? That means God's grace expects you to live right. Amen. So he says, you know, what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap the beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. Don't allow yourself to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping and wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. 
So take advantage of it. Now remember, Genesis 8.22 says as long as the earth remains, there's a law that says seed time and harvest, winter and summer, cold and hot, right? It's all, it's, this, is, this is the law of God. And Paul is just referencing that law. He says there's a law that says you're going to reap exactly what you sowed. And when harvest comes, it's going to be based upon what you sowed. And we're living in the times of last day's harvest. For those who've planted good seed, that's a wonderful, that's wonderful news. But if you've planted bad seed, that is terrifying news. People, people have asked this question all my life. People have asked me, if God's so good, why, why does he allow all these evil things? If God is such a good God, why do people, why, do, why are all these wars and why, why are all this suffering in the world? Well, first of all, God is good. It's one of the, that's one of the corner posts of, of having a, the right mindset towards God. You've got to believe that God is good. And he's good all the time. You've got to believe that God is love. And his love never fails. And then you've got to believe that all things are possible with God. Amen? And that means if I'm with God, there's nothing impossible to me. And then you've got to believe that every person, every person on earth is significant and matters to God. For God so loved the whole world. You've got to believe those four things to keep your mind right. Satan comes in and says, no, God's not quite so good because he allows all this stuff to go on. But I, I remind you, I remind you, who did God give authority over the, old, over the, the world to? In the beginning, who did he give the authority over? He gave it to Adam, and what did Adam do with it? He gave it to Satan. He gave it away. And that's how evil came into the world. Amen? Now, Satan is a literalist. He's a legalist. Satan, Satan can only operate by the laws of God. Did you know that? And he knows about seed time and harvest. He knows about sowing and reaping. So if Satan sits back and he watches you, and you're sowing all these seeds of rebellion, and you're trying to do things your own way, and you are disobeying and breaking all the commandments of God, Satan is saying, I get to bring the harvest. And he's going to bring the harvest that you have sown for. And that's what's wrong with the world. That's why the world suffers. And the innocent suffer for the guilty. Over there in Ukraine right now, there are a bunch of kids, a bunch of children being killed, bombed to death. They didn't do anything wrong. But there, there is so much sin and so much rebellion, so much wickedness going on in the high places and places of authority in that country that they've opened the door and the harvest has come. Now, our government and our media, they're always talking about how bad Putin is, how bad Putin is, and, and how we ought to stand with Ukraine and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm not going to get into all that. But I, what I'm telling you is it's harvest time in the earth. And people are suffering because of the sins of their fathers.
and the crop has come up, and Satan, being the legalist that he is, sees his chance, sees his opportunity. And, but it was not God that did it. It was people sowing bad seeds. You say, well, can't God stop it? Well, are you, you're asking God to change his law. <coughs> and there's only one way that God's going to stop it, and that's if you repent and become covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus and become a new creature in Christ. Because if you're a new creature, then you have no past. If you have no past, you have no crop coming up. And you can start fresh. You can move over and plant in a new field and get a different harvest. The only way you can start over and cancel out a bad harvest is to become born again. Aren't you glad you're born again? You know what people need all over the world? They need to turn to Jesus and kiss the Son. They need, to, they need to bow their knee and confess, Jesus, you're the boss. That's what Lord means. Lord means boss. El jefe. Lord means rule maker. You make the rules for my life. You're the one who decides what's up and what's down, what's right and what's wrong. And you're the one that I listen to and hearken to and obey. Not my own desires, not my own way or the world's way, but Lord Jesus, you're the sole authority in my life. I seek only to please you. That prayer will cause you to be born again and it'll cancel out an evil harvest. Now you may have to take a stand and say, I know that when the devil comes and he brings you the, the fruit of your past life and he says, I, he says I, I brought your harvest to you, you say, oh no, oh no devil, that's not me. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm a brand new man. Uh, uh, that's not my fruit anymore. You say, well, somebody's got to pay. And you can say, somebody did pay. He paid a debt I could not pay. I owed a debt I could not pay, and he paid it. And so go talk to Jesus. You can take that fruit basket, and you can go talk to Jesus about it. Amen? That's the only way to change it. The only way the world is going to get any better is if these people that are conspiring against him are defeated and destroyed or they turn to God. And if they don't turn to God, they're going to have to be destroyed. There is a day for that. It's called the day of the Lord's wrath. Jesus revealed that, uh, that God is in charge of the harvest. Matthew 9, 37, he, he said to his disciples, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. See, the harvest, you know, God is, God is the Lord of the harvest, but you're the, you're the one who plants seeds that are coming up. And God sends his angels to harvest them. And you will give account. Amen. 
even believers, even born-again people, we're, we're going to go to a different throne called the, the judgment seat of Christ. And everything we've done in the flesh is going to be judged to, to ascertain what level of rewards we get. It's actually God's awards banquet. And, and, uh, but you've got to get to heaven to go to that banquet. You've got to be in heaven for that. Everyone else is going to go before the great white throne judgment. And that purpose of that judgment is for the books to be opened. And boy, and God's kept good records. And he's going to say, well, you planted this seed, you planted this seed, this seed, this seed, this seed. Wait a minute, I don't see any place where you ever repented. And repentance is the only way to remove these seeds. And your name is not written down in the Lamb's book of life. Bring that book over here. Let me bring that book. Let me see if your name. Nope, your name's not in there. So you're going to be rewarded according to the deeds you did in your body. And by the way, uh, you did some pretty wicked deeds there. And so you're cast out into the eternal damnation where you will be punished according to what you did. Amen. Somebody just went. Every second. Somebody goes. Somebody goes. Whole lot of people leaving here. <laughs> and it's going to continue until the end. Amen. And then everybody that died is going to be brought back before that great white throne. The Bible says so in the book of Revelation. So I, I guess one of the main reasons I want to tell you this is don't blame God for the bad in your life. Check around and see what seeds you've sown. Or see if an enemy came in while you were sleeping and sowed a seed. And that See, sometimes you're sleeping... And you're sitting right in front of the TV set with your eyes open. And the enemy's sowing evil seeds coming at you from that idiot box. Trying to make an idiot out of you. Ridiculing God. Mocking God. And you're watching it. It's, it's coming into your mind. It's, seeds are planted in your brain. Next thing you know, you're saying what you heard them say. You're thinking what you heard them say. It's an evil. You need to do everything you can to block that process. Be like those monkeys, you know. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Right? Monkey see, monkey do. If you don't want to do wrong, don't see wrong. Don't meditate. Cast down everything. Cast down every thought, every idea that has any contrariance against God's Word. Amen? Amen? Are you doing that? Are you an activist when it comes to cleaning up your own garden plot? Do you weed your own garden? Amen? Some of you need to get your uh, tools out and go, go to gardening. The world is now living in a time of harvest. Yes. The good and the bad. Yep. Rewards and punishment. Yep. 
are going to be handed out. People will receive the harvest of the seed they've sown. And that is the law of God, and you cannot set it aside. Cannot ignore it. You'd be a fool to ignore it. So sow good seed. That's where it starts. Jesus went about everywhere, Acts 10, 38. Jesus went about everywhere doing good. We need to follow him. We need to go, out, we need to go about everywhere doing good, doing right. Plead the blood of the new covenant over your life to cancel out sins and the resulting harvest. And then, and then praise the Lord always. Amen? Why? Because you're, by praising the Lord, you're putting faith in his promise to cancel your evil deeds. That's Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgiveth all thy iniquities and healeth all thy diseases. Amen? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to believe in it, trust in it, and then praise him for it. Amen? If you never praise God for forgiving all your iniquities, maybe you aren't forgiven yet. I've noticed this about people. When they come to God after a life of wickedness, they're just full of praise. They can't thank Him enough. They just, they, they just all, I mean, Jimmy's crying right now just sitting there thinking about it. You know, you, you just can't, you, you can't, you can't think about what God's done for you without lifting your hands and saying, praise yeah. God, hallelujah. Why don't we stand up and do that right now? Let's just lift our hands to the Lord and praise Him for forgiving all of our iniquities and healing all of our diseases. Hallelujah. Lord, I praise you from my soul. My soul praises you. Hallelujah. My emotions, my will. Hallelujah. It praises you, Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will say of the Lord, He is my salvation, my light, my strength, my hope, my future. Lord, I delight in your laws. I delight in your precepts. I delight in knowing your way. Oh, teach us your way, Lord, so that we may not sin against you. Hallelujah. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. If we can get ushers to serve us with the communion elements while you're standing there praising the Lord, the ushers are going to come by and give you the, the elements of communion, and we're going to take communion together before we leave and, and, and an expression of our faith and commitment to the Lord, to His way, to His holiness, to His righteous precepts. Amen? Amen. Judge your own heart and say, Lord, uh, I don't want to be judged, so I'm just going to judge myself. And if there's any wickedness, if there's any evil, if there's any unrepented sin, say, Lord, I don't want the harvest from that. And so I give it to you and I ask you to forgive me. And he said in his, in his word, he said, if you, if you ask for forgiveness, he will forgive you. And he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's all because he offered up his own blood, his own body on the tree. And with his stripes, we're not only healed, but we're forgiven. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a blessing. What a, what a privilege it is to know the Lord. Just tell him, I'm so glad I know you, Lord.
I'm so glad I, I met you, Jesus. I'm so glad that I have this opportunity to kiss the Son. That's what we're doing, folks. When we take communion, we're kissing Jesus. We're loving on Jesus. We're entering into that covenant relationship with Him. I love you, Jesus. I believe in you, Lord. I'm trusting in your blood to cancel out any evil harvest. And though Satan may come and try to give me the fruits of that harvest, the blood of Jesus will prevent him. He can't come through that blood at me. I am shielded. I am protected. I am a new man in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Hallelujah. He who knew no sin became sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Lord Jesus, you are my righteousness. You are my peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift the bread up to the Lord and say, Lord, I thank you that you allowed yourself to be beaten and broken. And with your wounds, my debt was paid. And by your stripes, I am healed. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's eat together. And then open the cup carefully. And let's hold that cup of blessing, that cup of covenant to the Lord right now and thank him for it. I thank you, Lord, for this cup that represents the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord of glory, King of kings, Master of the universe, Creator, creator of all things, the Judge of the living and the dead. I thank you that your blood covers me, washes me, cleanses me, and removes all sin, guilt, and shame from my life. Your blood gave me a fresh start. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, I commit to your way, Lord. I commit to your people. I commit to being a faithful member of the body of Christ, doing good unto all men according to your laws and precepts. In Jesus' mighty name, let's drink together. You know, there's power in the blood. Wonder-working power, the song says. Miracle-working power in the blood. Rick Renner, back when they Soviet Union dissolved, went to Russia and started a ministry in Russia. Russia had been under communist rule for 70 years. 70, that's an interesting number. 
Russia only had one TV station, the official TV station of the Communist Party. But they didn't have any programming. So he went to him and he said, I have some videos of uh, some of my sermons. I'll give them to you if you want to put them on, you know, kind of fill up some of those empty hours. They gladly received his videos and they started broadcasting. And the first sermon that he broadcasted was sit, was broadcast from Moscow clear to Siberia. There's only one channel. So everybody's watching him. His sermon was how to have no past. How the people who come to the Lord are people with no past. And he had a phone number there at the bottom. He said that phone number was jammed for weeks. People calling in and saying, I want to, I, I want to know how I can have no past. And he would just lead them in a prayer of repentance. Lead them to the Lord. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Russians came to the Lord because of that one concept. I can start over. I can be a person with no past. And it launched not only his ministry and his church, but a mighty move of God swept Russia, one of the biggest land masses on earth. There are a lot of believers in Russia today. So when you speak about Russia, don't speak evil. We got brothers and sisters there. We don't want them destroyed. We don't want them hungry. We don't want them destitute. We don't want them bombed and blown up. Same way with the Ukraine. Rick Renner's ministry went, to, went into the Ukraine. He says, I have members of my church in both countries. They said, well, what are you going to do? And he says, I'm just going to preach Jesus. I said, we have the answer. We're just going to keep giving people the answer. We're not taking sides. Amen? We're on the Lord's side. People without a past. You might think of that as a carrot that you can dangle in front of some of your friends. How would you like to just erase your past? Now, the world doesn't forgive. Did y'all hear about where... Uh, <laughs> Did y'all hear about where Will Smith slept? What's his name? That foul-mouthed comedian? Chris Rock? You know, I don't care about that stuff. They're, they're going to manipulate that, and they're going to... But you know what? The world will not forgive him for that. They're, now, they're, they're, like, they're like cannibals or vicious dogs. They turn on their own and... To, to consume their own. They're, going, they're not going to be content until they destroy Will Smith. So I'm praying for him. I'm praying for him that this will bring him to a knowledge, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? But see, the world, the world never forgets and they don't forgive. So if you've done things in the past, you may still have to be held accountable for a lot of that because the world doesn't forget and the world doesn't forgive. But as far as God's concerned, it's cast into a sea of forgetfulness. Removed from you as far as the east is from the west. And you know the world's round, right? So uh, it's, it's never ending. Amen. It's eternal, eternal forgiveness. Anything you've done, God forgives it. And he erases it. And he also cancels the harvest. 
You're not going to have to fearfully look forward to Him judging you for it. You get to heaven, it's not even going to be brought up because it's washed in the blood of Jesus. God would have to betray His own nature to even mention it or to even allow it brought up. If the accuser tries to come and accuse you, God will slap him down because he's not going to allow you to be evil spoken of because what he has cleansed is cleansed indeed. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm clean, clean, clean as a newborn baby. Amen. Praise God. You married couples, if your marriage partner confess before the Lord, ask God to forgive him and receive cleansing from the blood of Jesus, you've got no business bringing it up again. Amen. You're doing the devil's work if you bring it up again. All you got to do is say, honey, I repented of that and ask God to forgive me. <laughs> you, pastor said you can't even mention it anymore. Well, I forgive you, but I'm not forgetting. Oh, no, that, that's, not, that, that's not God's way. Amen. Well, pastor went to meddling. God bless you. Have a great day, and good to see you. Amen. Be friendly. Be friendly.